Hi, my name is Rob Butler, uh, World Series champion, born in Toronto, Canada, played for my favorite team, the Toronto Blue Jays, and you're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Process Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mr. Neil Spruce, aka NWB, and I'm joined by Mr. Justin Williams. Justin, how you doing? Man, after that Argentina game, my, my blood is pumping, my heart's pounding. I am so good, and I'm happy to be back with you. Indeed. And yes, Argentina did sneak past Mexico in the World Cup over in Qatar. So they seem to be back on track. We'll see what happens later on in the week. But we're also joined by Mr. Corbett Durant, a.k.a. Kobe. Club, how you doing? I'm good, man. I watched that game. They didn't look that impressive to me, to be honest. Yeah, they got past Mexico, but it wasn't that impressive of a performance. I didn't say it was impressive, but it still got my heart going. A win is a win, gentlemen. A win is a win, and you got to take them as they come. They're not to be taken for granted. Socceroos. <laughs> yeah, they got the win, but they got other issues. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen hypocrisy so quick. <laughs> I know. Hey, a win is a win. He's like, yeah, but. <laughs> you sound like me with the Leafs now, Nee. Yeah, that's what happens when you spend so much time around a Leafs fan. With that negativity. That pessimism. Anyway, <laughs> on a more positive note, <laughs> our guest is someone who's been on the show before. He's a friend of the show. You can find his writings over at The Score, all things baseball. But when he's not writing about the stick pole, he's actually on the rink. He is a roller derby enthusiast, and he was recently down in St. Louis. It is Mr. Brian McWilliam. Brian, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Well, great. Great to have you great. on. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. It's a pleasure. How was the the rodeo in St. Louis? I was fun. Uh, Toronto Men's Roller Derby, so the league that I'm um, a member of. We went down there and we played the number one team in the world, um, the St. Louis Gatekeepers. We played a really good team from Mexico called the Mexican Disorder, like Mex-I-Can. And then we played a team from Pittsburgh two times, actually, at the same tournament, just because of how the round robin uh, bracketing worked out yeah unfortunately we went 0-4 but it was it was a good tournament playing the number one team in the world was quite a privilege and an honor for us and they whooped us pretty hard now in in saying that that last time you're on the show you did say that the toronto team was going through i guess a bit of a reload or rebuilding phase so would you say this is a building block in terms of getting back up to the level it used to be it was, um, it's been an up and down year because of the coming out of, it's our, it's Roller Derby's first year out of the pandemic. We actually had quite a lot of success early to the middle of the year, um, but then we lost a few folks. We had one, a really good player move back to Colorado and we had a, we had some injuries. So we actually beat the number two team in the world. It was a big, big upset in June and we played some really good teams real tough down there aside from that win. But going into this tournament, yeah, losing losing a couple players, having like a handful basically on the shelf going into the tournament, and then 
in our first game against Mexico, another one of our good players um, took a weird hit and he was out for the rest of the tournament. So by the end of the tournament, we only had 10 of our 15 players playing. So it was uh, it was pretty rough. But um, yeah, it was good in a sense because we had a lot of new people get to have that really high level experience and they got to play the number one team in the world in some of their first games with us. So it was pretty cool for them. Mm-hmm. That actually reminds me of the Socceroos against France recently. And anyway, um, before I go on a soccer diversion, Justin? Right. So when I found out that you were part of a roller uh, a roller derby team, the first thing I thought of was the movie Whip It. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but it's a roller derby movie. And I was just like, oh, I didn't actually uh, didn't actually know I could talk to somebody who plays it professionally. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Whip It is um, pretty common in our community. It's bank track, so we I play flat track, so it's just on flat ground. But whip it, it's it's a parody of the sport, and it was a parody of the sport that they played twenty sorry twenty to thirty years ago, uh, roller jam. But uh, yeah, we we really appreciate Drew Barrymore and Juliette Lewis and all the people for putting whip it together because it actually did help the sport evolve quite a bit as far as popularity. When whip it came out. The league that I used to coach for, the Toronto Roller Derby League, which was just the women's league, I, it didn't have any men in it, uh, aside from coaching staff. They actually did a big TIFF like roller derby game at Dundas Square, and it was really really cool. And it kind of got a lot of spotlight on the sport, and the league itself blossomed quite a bit from from that. So, Whip It will always be memorable for us, um, and it's a great, it's a funny movie. It's great, and there was a pretty cool cast with. Um, you know, Drew Barrymore and Paige and uh, Ellen, who's now Elliot. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was a great thing. Yeah, I, I remember watching the movie when I was younger, being like, this is actually kind of cool. And then it's kind of starting to pop up a little more in pop culture. Like Family Guy does a does an episode about roller derby where Meg goes professional for a bit, which shines light on the Quahog scene, which obviously isn't real, but still kind of brings eyes to that. So it's I feel like comedy movies in that sense kind of help bring up kind of lesser known I don't want to say phenomenons, but sports in this case. Uh, we just need to have like some kind of miracle on ice, and then we get a dramatic movie with Morgan Freeman's narration, and then it's on Netflix, and then it's, and then Kobe will be playing it, and it'll be fun. Yeah, we've um, we've evolved from that whole like you know like the Ocho kind of joke from the dodgeball, um, <laughs> but because uh, there was a time trying to think before the pandemic, maybe two or three years where we were actually featured um, on ESPN annually. Our national championship every year would be on ESPN and you could watch it on ESPN. And it was actually a big production and uh, it was pretty cool for us. And it helped us globally. Like we've had, we have a world cup every four years. Uh, I've won a bronze medal with Canada. We it's, it's pretty big. I think there was 40,000 people at the last World Cup and uh, in Manchester, England in 2018 for the women's side of things. And then for the men's side of things, it was in Barcelona, Spain, and I played on the men's national team for that. And we finished fifth. It was actually a pretty underwhelming performance by us. We were supposed to finish top three. But yeah, same thing. It was a really big crowd, really big audience. And yeah, it's 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 a pretty great sport, but the pandemic has really taken its toll on it. Like a lot of people who are really involved used it as like, I guess, I don't want to say an excuse, but it was like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to wait two more years. I only have about two more years left in me. So they used it as a way to kind of retire. And you saw a lot of people go through that. So coming back from it now, we're almost kind of having to start from scratch. 
the league that I'm part of, for instance, we're already on the lookout for new skaters. We're going to start uh, a new skater intake in uh, probably March. We're looking at training juniors, so like kids to start playing and uh, just trying to help get the sport going again because, uh, like I said, it was a struggle coming out of the pandemic. But you guys survived, and that's the main thing. Right. And just because, you know, you have open open tryouts now, we can probably see Kobe is going to attend. So I don't skate in any way or form, so not going ha- to happen. You, you said that there's a, yeah, like an open skate or whatever, how you bring people in. How do you find out about that? Yeah, if um, you go to Toronto Men's Roller Derby on Facebook, that's usually the quickest way to get to us. You just send us a message and someone, we have an interleague person who uh, works with new skaters. If you're already a skater or you've like played like floor hockey or inline or something like that, and you are like, hey, I want to play roller derby, you just message that channel and they'll they'll get back to you pretty quickly. And then what happens is we invite you out. If you already have skating experience, then we just invite you out to a practice. Right now, we're taking a one-month off-season. We're going to start back up, uh, depending on the QP strike situation. Uh, we're planning on starting back up in January because we practice at a, at a school. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would just have you come out to practice, kind of check out your skills, see if you're capable of jumping in there right away. If not, then we would work with you and train you a little bit more. Okay, was, was there a national championships held this year? No, no. Uh, the last one was in prior to the pandemic. So the governing bodies for the, the WFTDA, which is the Women's Flat Track Derby Association, and the MRDA, which is the Men's Roller Derby Association, and then the JRDA, which is the Junior Roller Derby Association, so people under the age of 18, way to move forward coming out of the pandemic was to have something called the um, Back on Track program. So we've been playing but it hasn't been competitive. So uh, I think next year is when all of that's going to start again. So there has been no national championship this year. Okay, okay. Where is the next World Cup being held, both for men's and women's? So funnily, uh, I was just saying there's no national championship. So the because, again, because of the pandemic, the World Cups got postponed. So the last one was actually supposed to be in St. Louis and was postponed until further notice. So from what I've been told, the national programs for each country are sort of coming together right now it's actually within the last week or so a message went out saying from the like global committee being like hey nations check your slack channels and there'll be information there so uh i wouldn't be surprised if for the men's side if they just stuck to st louis because that's where it was supposed to be and st louis pretty has a very strong derby community down there they have ample space to play we just played at a great venue that could host something like a world cup with a brand new floor it was a big arena with all the facilities and everything that you need as far as uh the the women's side of things yeah i I don't i I don't know where it would be i know that you said there's a world cup every four years but are there also kind of semi-international tournaments kind of like the euros and copa america and football yeah yes there are um so we have like the way the ranking system works in um, the WFTDA, which is the women's side of things, they kind of like, it's similar to the NCAA. Like they have like a rank, like one through however many. And it's it's not just based on like um, a division or a region or anything like that. It's actually just one big, huge ranking. And it includes every team globally that's within the governing body. But uh, as the years go on, or as the season uh, happens, they usually have, country-based tournaments to help them with their rankings. So because it doesn't make sense for a team from, say, Australia 
to fly all the way over to America uh, or North America, excuse me, to play one or two games. So they'll do tournaments in Australia, they'll do tournaments in Asia, they'll do tournaments in Europe, and then usually based on uh, how everything goes and how the rankings play out, when the the divisional playoffs happen, that's when you'll start to see like international uh, showdowns. So you'll see, for instance, I don't know, someone from Finland play a team from like, I don't know, Idaho. And you'll be like, you'll really see like the teams from Australia, for instance, as that says. And you find out really quickly that the styles are a lot different. The pace is a lot different. The strategy is a lot different. And sometimes it makes for some really wild games because you see a team that's ranked really well say in North America, take on this team from Argentina that's not ranked as good, but the Argentinian team plays a different style and ends up it's pretty cool. You gotta love the clash of the styles, right? That kind of shows you just international play and even though you may technically be ranked lower, sometimes the people who do the rankings don't really know what they're talking about. Right. I've I've always thought like the way that we play in Canada, it's it's so funny because it I can almost compare it to like hockey. Like when you watch um, international hockey, say the juniors or something, and you see Canada and we're more of like a a hard-nosed, grinded-out kind of team where we play really tough, you know? That's how we are in Derby too. We're really, we play really slow. We like to really make you work hard and we kind of like just grind you out. And then we play a team from Latin America and they're really high energy and they're really snappy and fast and they're, they're a different dynamic than we are, whereas we're more like powerhouses you know so um yeah it's it's the style clashes is definitely interesting brilliant i mean i love that kind of uh kind of style personally where they just kind of mix and match and it's like who's actually the best and it goes down to a lot more than just physique yeah i'm gonna switch i'm gonna switch up a little bit i know you cover the mlb i want to ask you a little bit about last season and whether or not you think it was a success and what should we expect going into next season will there be any changes at the top uh, the 2022 campaign, I thought, was a success in some capacity. Baseball came back, which was good. It's one of the top, that's one of the four North American big sports. So people were excited to have it back. Attendance was down, but I still think that people were glad to have it back, including Commissioner Rob Manfred, because, you know, teams are making money again. So everybody's happy when teams are making money. We've had some more fun personalities show up in the game, and I'm hoping with some of the rule changes like getting rid of the shift and the pitch clocks being added that the game is going to be more entertaining. You're going to have more personalities, better personalities, more fun personalities similar to the NBA. You're going to have quicker games so fans aren't getting bored, and you're going to have more action, so you're going to have more balls in play, more hits, not just three true outcomes like um, (laughs) home run, waiting for a home run or watching a whole bunch of strikeouts. Uh, that's kind of boring. And yeah, you just, some teams are getting better that are, uh, that haven't been good for a while. Like the Phillies make it to the world series is a good thing for baseball. The Astros winning it. Well, they've been good for a while, but you know, you, you need to see more competitive play. And I feel like there was a lot more competition this year. The scales were a little bit more balanced. Like, yes, you did have some really good teams and some really bad ones, but by having the postseason expanded, it made it much more thrilling. You saw more trades happen. You saw teams like the Seattle Mariners picking up Luis Castillo at the deadline when you had didn't think that they were going to do something like that at all. So um, some success, some failure, but it's good to have baseball back. And I think it's um, a good starting point for the years to come. There we go. 
that's uh, that's what we want to hear. It's onwards and upwards with the the hard ball. Right. So moving forward with baseball, as you said, it's it was a success overall. Now, with everything that was going on with the Houston Astros prior to this, do you feel like they've redeemed themselves from the scandal? I I I don't think they're ever going to redeem themselves per se because they cheated. Their franchise cheated. But I feel like people can lay off a little bit more now. This is a team that is different, similar but different. They had some returning people from that sign-stealing scandal team like Altuve but, and Bregman. But the team itself is actually a lot different. They are still a franchise that's built to win. They had a, had a new manager. with Well, not a new new manager, but a new newer manager than the sign-stealing scandal manager with Dusty Baker. They had a new general manager. They had a lot of different front office people. And the team was different. And they managed to win the World Series. So they're a sustained contender. You can say whatever you want about 2017. Like it was proven that they cheated. You know, it's 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 tainted for a lot of people. But there's no way, unless something new is found about this season, that anybody can say anything about 2022 because they were a dominant team from start to finish. They beat the best teams. They had a great regular season record, and they were almost unstoppable in the postseason. So I don't know if they've redeemed themselves per se. But I feel like people can quiet, simmer down a little bit, if, uh, if that makes sense. I feel like it was one of those championships where you didn't want it to happen because you wanted the material of being like, see, you couldn't do it if you didn't cheat. But they, uh, that was not the case in that situation. Sign up to SoRare, the ultimate fantasy sports NFT platform. Scout, collect, and trade officially licensed digital player cards with other fans in our open marketplace. Create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players' real-life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions. Showcase your skills and go head-to-head with managers from around the world to rise up the weekly rankings and earn rewards. Yes, so rare is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next. It's almost like a a dynasty spin on fantasy. This is something that is available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the World Game, which includes this year's 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. So what are you waiting for? Get involved. Get in the game. Get some cards and have some fun. Oh, did I tell you it's free, by the way? Yes. All you have to do is sign up. Kobe showed me. It's, it's really that simple. You just sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too. But at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because Process Podcasters, we know our thing. But so rare is a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes, and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. Moving forward for the Blue Jays, what do you feel like they need to do to improve uh, from last season to this season? For me personally, I just felt like Bo Bichette was kind of uh, not always there to play, it seemed. Bo finished really strong. I'll touch on that first. He, he did not play particularly well through the first half of the season, but he was one of the best hitters in baseball down in the last couple months. 
And if you look at his numbers overall, he ended up having a similar season to last year, but only because he was like as good as he was down the last couple of months. So I'd like to see some more consistency from him. And on the defensive end, he's scary at shortstop and scary. I don't mean scary in a good kind of way. Every ball that he picks up, he's fine with his hands, but I get worried every time he throws the ball across the diamond because you never know where it's going. So uh, I'd like to see some more defensive consistency from him, but he's still a star. And I think uh, he's somebody that the Jays are obviously going to continue to build around. I don't know if that means an extension or not, because they still have to think about Vladdy. They don't have to think about the Oscar anymore because they shipped him to Seattle. As far as what they need to do, like bullpen is one major thing they need to improve. Uh, Eric Getting Eric Swanson was a good thing, but it's tough to say relievers are volatile and change from year to year. But I'd like to see them address that. Like Romano is good. Uh, Jimmy Garcia was pretty solid. And then everything else was shaky at best. Uh, they got to replace all the outfielders they've lost. So they traded the Oscar. They, uh, they non-tendered Tapia and Zimmer. So they got some holes in the outfield. I think they're going to address that with somebody a bit better than Ryan El Tapia or Bradley Zimmer. I think they will really want to get somebody left-handed. So like maybe Brandon Nimmo, Michael Conforto, and then there's all these rumors going around now about Bellinger now that he's the free agent and Joey Gallo. Yeah, those guys, they haven't really hit in the last couple of years. I mean, when they're on, they're really, really good players like Cody Bellinger's the former MVP, but he hasn't hit at all. And Joey Gallo is a strikeout machine, but maybe those guys will turn into them old sel- into their old selves and Roger Center is a very hitter-friendly park for left-handed hitters. So, yeah, maybe an addition like that would help. But for me, the bullpen needs to be addressed, and they need to get some production to replace T. Oscar uh, in the outfield and then some more left-handed hitters. That was a perfect answer. Yeah, you, you talk about hitter-friendly. Roger Center is, is apparently also turning into a more fan-friendly arena. Do you have a lead on where I can get one of those seats that they're taking up? <laughs> I don't, but uh, I'm sure you'll be able to find one uh, sooner rather than later. The, the renovation that they're doing is it's it's full tilt right now. I saw pictures of it the other day. It looks it looks cavernous there right now, but it's going to look incredible based on on the uh, the sketches that I've seen and everything like that. I or, sorry, they actually put out a video as well showing you what it was going to. Or the franchise put out a video as well showing you what the future of the Rogers Center is going to look like, and I'm excited for it. Um, I've lived here, I've lived in Toronto my entire life, and I've never been fond of going to the Rogers Center. I always thought it was like walking into a tuna can when the dome is closed. Uh, when the dome is open, it's it's pretty, but we didn't always have the best concessions. The seats were weird because you're kind of like turned to the side while you're watching baseball, and they're fixing a lot of those um, those issues that people have had problems with, so... Uh, and I'm excited about all the social areas. Like they're making it more of a baseball park than they are an entertainment facility. Mm. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and I think a lot of the players are looking forward to that too. Even though visiting bullpens are going to be like basically face-to-face with fans now, uh, I think people are going to just feel the different kind of experience at the Rogers Center. And it's going to be more exciting for baseball. Absolutely. And that's what you want to see. You want to see more exciting baseball, especially as we got down towards the business end of last season, the, you could feel the energy just even around the outside of the, the the ballpark, let alone inside. So definitely have more of that, please. 
Yeah. And like a lot of the time when visiting players come here, they are very clear that they're like, this place is rocking when it's full. Uh, Eric Swanson, who we just acquired, said the same thing. Like when Seattle was playing here in the postseason, when the Rogers Center is 50,000 people strong, it's not going to be that capacity when with all the new renovations, but it is it is thumping. Like the building rocks. It actually shakes when some when a big moment happens. And uh, I think that'll continue because our fan base is a good fan base when they're there, but we have to be winning for them to be there. And when Toronto isn't winning, the fans don't show up. Like I, <laughs> I remember some of the some of the really tough years, uh, the early JP Ricciardi years, where there was like eight thousand people in the, in the seats, and that's just not going to cut it in a marketplace like Toronto. Absolutely not. Now, just dropping back to the Astros for a moment. They won the World Series, I think it was on a Saturday or a Sunday. And then the GM at the time, James Click, was out of his role within a week or so. Any word on where he might end up? So there is a contentious relationship, reportedly, uh, between Jim Crane and James Click. They, uh, again, reportedly, I'm basing this on reports and rumors that they didn't get along very well. And uh, remember that Click was brought in as like a like last minute replacement because of the whole situation with Jeff Lunau. So they had to find somebody, and they kind of I guess they kind of scrambled you could you could say to get James Click, and he did a tremendous job. He sustained success in his tenure there, and then he just was offered a one year deal. And <laughs> what general manager coming off a World Series win is going to accept a one year deal? I don't think anybody is. So. That, that's not happening anymore. I don't have any sources or reports telling me where he is going, but I would assume he's going to go somewhere with some success. He's going to be coveted for sure. But I, I could see somewhere like maybe the Rays, that's where he he kind of built his, his resume. Maybe the Dodgers, the Dodgers with Andrew Friedman, they love taking on former successful executives. Like they took Alex Anthopoulos, for a while before he became general or general manager, president of baseball operations, excuse me, for the Atlanta Braves. And it, there's a, the Tampa connection there. Andrew Freeman is a very smart, if in my opinion, the smartest executive in baseball. So he likes smart people work, to work with. So I could see something like that happening. But uh, I, I don't know if he's necessarily going to become uh, a general manager or president of baseball operations right off the bat again, uh, which is unfortunate because James Click is very good at his job. Honestly, it <laughs> doesn't matter what role you give you give him. And I don't know why the other 29 teams haven't considered this, but this guy led the Astros to the World Series. He has all the tools in terms of how they won and how to beat them. I don't know why teams haven't been falling over themselves to go get him for that reason alone. But the Dodgers will be perfect given their history of wanting to get back at the Astros. Yeah, exactly. And it, it only makes sense. It only makes sense that that someone hires somebody with the capabilities, but also just the the know-how. You just won the hardest thing to win in baseball. Mm. And you did it very quickly. Like James Click <laughs> wasn't in his position very long. And he obviously had a lot of great pieces and a lot of foundation was set up for him, et cetera, et cetera. But he did it. He, he did the job that a lot of people spend, some executives and some baseball people spend their whole lives in chasing a World Series and never get it. 
Mm-hmm. And this gentleman did it very quickly and showed that he is smart enough to lead an organization like that. So I, I, don't, I don't expect him to be jobless per se for very long. Um, but as far as where he could go, I feel like the options are endless. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, switching from the, the ballpark to the, the boxing ring, you're, you're a pretty big boxing follower, uh, actually pretty sure you write about boxing as well. What are you seeing with boxing of late? Boxing is always funny. Uh, You'll see so many highs and so many lows. So uh, the war in Ukraine um, has did some weird things with boxing this year. So like Alexander Usyk and Vasily Lomachenko like had to like postpone fights and like step back for country and like, like good on them, brave of them to do that. Um, but that kind of like threw some wrenches into some things. And then Anthony Joshua just not being able to like be the fighter that he always was. Maybe this is the fighter that he, he's always been, but I would have really liked, like I love Alexander Usyk, but I would have liked to see Anthony Joshua win back his title so that we could finally see Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. I just don't see that's, think that's ever going to happen anymore. And then they they tried to make that fight happen. And then there's just like so many political behind the scenes things with promoters that caused that not to happen. So like from a war in Ukraine to shifty promoters to whatever else, we can never seem to get the biggest fights. And that is the part about boxing that bugs me the most. We were supposed to get a Terrence Bud Crawford, Earl Spence Jr. fight. It was like basically finalized and now that isn't happening and it's like okay (laughs) what next so i'm just hoping for 2023 that we really do get more big fights like we're getting tank davis and ryan garcia finally that's a fight that everybody's going to watch tank davis is one of the most popular fighters in boxing and ryan garcia is one of the most popular people in sports on social media so you're getting two actual superstars facing each other. I would like to see that happen more often because I just don't like watching a good fighter face a bad fighter. Mm. I don't like squashes. I don't like people fighting to just make big money. I, I want to see the best versus the best. Right. I know I'm going to sound like the, the old man in the room, but like the old days, let's let's see the, the blockbuster fights again. The Sunday nights were like, that was what you lived for, like Lewis and Holyfield and Tyson. We wanted Logan to see Paul, these guys Jake going Paul. at each other. Yeah, and I do not want to see Jake Paul anymore. Thank you, whoever just said that. So, <laughs> so are we done with the exhibition fighting era, or is that here to stay? I don't think we are, unfortunately. There's money to be made there. Floyd Mayweather is still making a ton of money fighting YouTube fighters on helipads in Saudi Arabia. And... I just, I don't understand it. Well, I understand it for Floyd Mayweather because he's not, he's not a professional caliber fighter anymore, but he still needs to make money, right? So I understand why he's doing it. I understand why Jake Paul's doing what he's doing. Like he is a capable boxer, it looks like, but he's not fighting anybody very good. Like the fight with Anderson Silva was kind of cool because it was Anderson Silva, but we're talking about a very over the hill MMA fighter who had only had uh, like a handful of boxing fights fighting a guy who trains all the time to box and who apparently from what I've read and from fighters that I've spoken to, he actually punches very hard. So he's got a big punch, 
but he's not he's not a very high caliber fighter but i would like to see him finally fight tommy fury if they're ever going to fight they've talked about a fight like a dozen times and something always happens but i just want to see jake paul fight someone capable before i can really determine if i want to consider him uh, a capable boxer or like <laughs> a credible boxer i guess is a better way to say it but i'd actually think the exhibition fights are going to stick around you know it's fun once in a while like when roy jones and tyson fought that was fun right but i don't want to see that once every month uh maybe once every five years or something is okay yeah but, uh, i don't think they're going anywhere all right well say la vie say la vie Right, just to kind of hit it back to baseball real quick. Uh, are you familiar with SoRare.com? SoRare? Yeah. No, I'm not. So basically, it is a combination of... It's free to, to join. It's a combination of NFTs meet fantasy. And they have the World Cup right now. They have NBA. And they also have MLB. So pretty much, you essentially open a virtual pack of common cards right? No value to it. So that's why it's free. And you enter mini tournaments. And from the tournaments, you don't have to finish first, but you can finish like top percentile. And then you get cards that are actually worth money. So it's almost like trading card games almost, but like essentially Magic the Gathering meets baseball kind of, kind of thing. <laughs> Magic like the Gathering meets Shohei Otani. <laughs> essentially, because I don't know, like, I don't know any like collector trading card games where it's like you can essentially win by showing your collection. It doesn't really make sense. So I went to competitive card games, but moving forward. I was going to go with Yu-Gi-Oh, but I thought it was going to be weird. But anyways, so I'm in it for NBA and for the World Cup. And I got a card that's a gold card, which is like a tier above the commons. And in theory, I could sell that for like a dollar right now. But it's still a dollar profit I've made just because it was free to join. But our, our buddy Kobe has made hand over fist money at this. He invested actual money to buy proper cards. But even still, from his winnings, he pulled cards that were more valuable. And he just sold them. So it's a very interesting format of fantasy meets NFT. Very cool. So to that end, uh, Brian, with spring training not too far away and with players off playing winter leagues and whatnot, who are some players that might be under the radar for next season in fantasy baseball, if you don't mind us asking? In fantasy? Sure. Uh, I could talk fantasy baseball all day. All right. Let's get into it. <laughs> if you're looking for young talent, so... I, I would keep my eye on Gunnar Henderson of the Baltimore Orioles. I think that's next year's American League Rookie of the Year. He debuted with the Orioles this year at the end of the season, and he's unreal. He's an incredible talent, can play shortstop and third base, hits the ball to all parts of the park, is extremely fast, has power. So you're looking at a guy who could potentially – put up a high average if you're in a league with on base percentage he gets on base a lot you're looking at a guy with steals you're looking at a guy with home run power and you're looking at a guy who could potentially get you a lot of rbis as well because he's probably going to hit in a pretty solid spot to produce runs in the order so i would keep an eye on him as far as like rookie of the year talk but also for fantasy and then you can't go wrong like people to keep your eye on it's tough going into spring because you got to keep your eye on on breakout stars, right? Like you know what certain people are going to produce every year. And okay, fine, you're going to get, you know when you draft them, you're going to potentially get that or it's going to be worse. 
Unfortunately, it was unfortunate if you say, for instance, drafted Bryce Harper off his MVP season because he was hurt, hmm. right? You never know what's going to happen, but you know you're going to get something out of somebody like that. But uh, keep an eye on young stars. Gunnar Henderson, for me, is a big one. In my keeper league, I am 100% keeping Julio Rodriguez. I think last season was just, just the beginning. He is a great talent. He's on a team that's bound to win with the Mariners. They look like they're going to be contenders again. He's an everyday player. He's young, so he's durable, and he can do everything. You're looking at a guy who, again, steals bases, power, average, gets on base, has the whole whole package. So two people, Gunnar Anderson and Julio Rodriguez for fantasy, I would pick them up. All right. Well, we'll be looking out for them when it comes to pulling cards and drafting for next season. We'll have to have you back on the show in any case. Brian, was there anything else you wanted to share with our audience before we let you go? Uh, no, I just uh, I just wanted to say thanks for having me on, and uh, thanks for letting me talk about you know multiple things from boxing to baseball to roller derby because uh, sports is a big world, and there's so many things out there that people know about and might not know about. So it's awesome of you guys to uh, kind of get the whole the whole spectrum. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having me on. No worries, no worries at all. So being Canadian, have you had a poutine before? Yes. And what is your favorite type of poutine? Oh, that's tricky. Uh, can I say my favorite place? Because I like the classic, mm-hmm. but I prefer to get it in Montreal as opposed to Toronto. Makes sense. Those are facts. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we've had people be like, especially from Vancouver, they're like, no, I've never had a poutine. What is that? And I'm like, this is why your hockey team sucks. This is why Vancouver Grizzlies left. <laughs> like, God, I hate you people. <laughs> Anyone from Vancouver, you can tell them I said it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience, where no sport is left behind.